Welcome to this episode of the Future Champions podcast, five quotes, John Cleese, so anyway. I have learnt so much about John Cleese on reading this book. It was simply fascinating. To be honest, I don't really know why it was fascinating or what I actually learnt, but I was completely enthralled by his words and how much insight he actually shared. Despite the fact that I could not easily recall a single one of those insights when sitting down to do this podcast. I know that sounds very John Cleese of me and almost a bit Monty Python, but it is entirely accurate. As I think about this a little deeper, there are two things. One is an insight and the other is fascinating. The first is John Cleese's use of the word meanwhile. Over the last few months, I've found myself using the word anyway when I'm trying to move someone from a conversation that has, in my opinion, run its course. In an attempt to help them come to the same conclusion, I find myself saying, anyway. It can come across quite dismissive and I instantly dislike it when I hear it come out of my mouth. John Cleese, on the other hand, uses the word meanwhile to move a conversation forward. Even when he thinks his own words in his own book are dragging on, he reaches for his go-to word, meanwhile. And you know what? I really like it. It is so much more sophisticated than my very abrasive word anyway. So now I find myself using meanwhile much more. Although I am still in the same situation wanting the conversation to move on, but the difference is I seem much more caring when I asked someone to get on with it by saying, meanwhile. So where was I? What makes this even more bizarre is that the title of the book is, wait for it, John Cleese, so anyway. Meanwhile, I was talking about something that I found fascinating in John Cleese's book. It was the discovery that his family name was changed by his grandfather, who was not a fan of the surname he was born with. That's because his surname was Cheese. Obviously, John Cleese's grandfather was not a fan and went on to officially change one letter in his surname. He changed the H to an L, which changed his name from Cheese to Cleese. Simply a masterstroke and the reason John was born a Cleese rather than a Cheese. I can't help but wonder how his life may have been different if he had kept his real name, Cheese. Meanwhile, it has occurred to me that you may be listening to this podcast and not know who John Cleese is. If that is the case, you may start to feel a tad bit concerned that the highlight of this book so far has been a word meanwhile and a name change from Cheese to Cleese. But I can assure you there is so much more to John Cleese. Let me tell you, John Cleese was born in one of the coolest sounding places I have ever heard. Western Supermare. Such a cool name. But John's description of the town does not leave you captivated in the same way the name Western Supermare does. He attended Cambridge University where he joined a performing arts group called the Cambridge Footlights, which would ultimately lead him to his most amazing career achievement, Monty Python's Flying Circus, which is arguably the greatest example of comedy ever produced. Despite The Flying Circus being recorded in the 1960s and the Monty Python films in the 70s and 80s, it is still viewed around the world and enjoyed by generations. 
But for those who are not familiar with Monty Python and the Flying Circus, perhaps you may be familiar with some of his recent film appearances. He is none other than Nearly Headless Nick in Harry Potter's movies. He is also a new iteration of Q in the James Bond movies. I have chosen five quotes that I believe carry powerful but simple messages. Whatever your goal is in life, these words will have a meaning for you. I always like it when I find an audio book that is narrated by the author. So I was excited to discover the dulcet tones of John Cleese in his So Anyway audio book. These quotes cover five topics. Timing, anxiousness, making mistakes, understanding the process, and the art of improvement. Quote one. The first quote is about timing and how important it is to get your rhythm right. But I was often scared that I would make a mistake, get a rhythm wrong, and not get the laugh. It was a mixture of lack of confidence and setting myself high standards. Comedians are always talking about how they see the audience as a potentially hostile force that has to be won over. For my first few years, that's exactly how I felt. And my only strength, my timing, depends on confidence. You cannot do great comedy if you are not relaxed. I think there's an exact parallel between timing in comedy and timing in sport. When you time an off-drive in cricket or a forehand in tennis, the ball flies away effortlessly. But that only happens when you're playing with confidence and nothing tightens up as you make the shot. It's the same with comedy. Any anxiety, any tension, and the flow goes wrong. You snatch at the joke. You force too hard. You lose the rhythm. And when the audience is there, it's such a great feeling when the audience gets on a roll and you play them as you would play a fish, keeping the line slightly taut but not too tight. Now letting them have a little slack, then reeling them in a touch as you bathe in their laughter and their enjoyment. Work doesn't get much better than that. Quote two. The next quote is a simple yet powerful message about anxiety and how John deals with it. Writing and performing in these six shows taught me an important creative principle. The more anxious you feel, the less creative you are. Your mind ceases to play and be expansive. Fear causes your thinking to contract, to play safe. And this forces you into stereotypical thinking. And in comedy, you must have innovation because an old joke isn't funny. I therefore came up with Cleese's two rules of writing comedy. First rule, get your panic in early. Fear gives you energy, so make sure you have plenty of time to use that energy. The same rule applies to exams. Second rule, your thoughts follow your mood. Anxiety produces anxious thoughts, sadness begets sad thoughts, anger, angry thoughts. So aim to be in a relaxed, playful mood when you try to be funny. Quote three. I've heard few people explain how making mistakes works for people in high-pressure situations. But this explanation made so much sense to me. When you stop focusing on making mistakes, you make fewer. 
They're three times a week live performing material, sometimes written only six hours before, forced upon me a different mindset from the one I'd had in the Frost Report. There, I could aim to give perfect performances, and the knowledge of this put extra pressure on me. Now, I had to accept that everything I did was going to be a bit unrehearsed, that perfection was way out of my reach, and that I should just go with the flow and not get uptight about the boo-boos. And I learned that when you stop concentrating on avoiding mistakes, you relax a bit and consequently you actually make fewer. Quote four. Quote number four is about the process. Whether you are an athlete, artist or performer, understanding the process is key. In this quote, John Cleese explains how Monty Python Flying Circus was created and the first time it was performed in front of a studio and television audience. Uh, the Flying Sheep became the first Monty Python skit to be recorded. I still vividly recall the moment, about two minutes before taping started, when I stood in the wings with Michael Palin, watching as the moment approached for Terry Jones to walk up to Graham to begin the dialogue. Michael, I said, do you realise we could be the first people in history to record a comedy show to complete silence? There was a pause, and Michael responded, I was having the same thought. We had no idea at all whether people would think Python was funny. It really felt that risky. But the sketch started. Michael and I strained our ears. A giggle. A small laugh. Another giggle. A big laugh. And we looked at each other, and I thought, maybe... It's going to be all right. Quote five. I want to leave my absolute favorite quote for last. I love this quote because it is coming from someone who really has achieved greatness. His concept on improvement is a revelation in its simplicity. In my last year at St. Peter's, however, I really did seem to take a big leap forward. I once read a book entitled Mastery by a deeply impressive man called George Leonard, who helped Michael Murphy run the Esalen Institute at Big Sur, where some of the brightest people in America, quote, went to talk about what was really on their minds, unquote. In it, he pointed out that when we work at acquiring some skill, we do not improve gradually, like some ascending straight line on a graph. The improvements take place suddenly after a period of not appearing to get better at all, if we just keep patiently practicing, there will be an unexpected jump up to the next level. Plateau, jump, plateau, jump, plateau, jump. John Cleese, So Anyway, is a remarkable book from an even more remarkable person. When I said that I was not sure what I had learned from this book, it was because there were so many layers, so much learning, and it is done from a point of humility and joy. But if I was forced to identify just one thing that really spoke to me about John Cleese's life, it is this. In his younger years, John Cleese was not obviously remarkable. He is funny, sure. He is a great writer, absolutely. Hard worker, agreed. But the thing that I believe made John Cleese truly remarkable was that when he was presented with an opportunity, he said yes. Every time there was an opportunity to get to the next level, he was ready to open the door and walk through. 
And this is something we could all learn to do better. Thank you for joining me on the Future Champions podcast. You can listen to our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Pocket Cast, Deezer, or visit our website at www.intentsport.com. Visit us on Facebook or Instagram by searching the Future Champions podcast. My name is Stuart Taylor. Stay safe.